podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike. I am Mike, and with me, as always, is Hannah. How are you, Hannah? I'm very well, thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for joining me for uh, episode 26 of the podcast. 27. 27, power of editing, of, uh, of the podcast. And, uh, and we are continuing on through season two of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, what episode number of season two are we up to? We are now? on episode number seven of season two. It was uh, released on the 11th of November 2014. Um, the episode is called The Writing on the Wall, and the synopsis says, A mysterious man is killing off former S.H.I.E.L.D. agents and carving the same markings as Coulson. Coulson tries to track him down. Meanwhile, May leads a team on a manhunt for Ward. Wow, very eventful sounding. So it we is. are um, around a third of the way through the season there at this yep. point, so we are making headway. This is directed by Vincent Messiano, who has directed yep. many an episode Familiar before. Name. Um, written by Craig Titley, and I think this is the first one that um, we've come mm-hmm. across his name. So, yeah, I can't remember the it's episode. The first time we've come across Titley, is, is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. He wrote 13 episodes for S.H.I.E.L.D. starting at season two, uh, right through to season seven okay so um he obviously proved his metal indeed awesome okay well um have we had any feedback uh, well before we get to that hannah mm-hmm. um just want to remind people um how they can reach us and various other little bits and pieces of uh of housekeeping first of all i would just remind everybody um that we are part of the pod syndicate network of podcast and bloggers uh, you can find us over at wearepodsyndicate.com. So you can find other podcasts, including my other podcast, uh, Chinstroker vs. Punter, um, but also his film, Her Movie. Um, you can also find Film Bastards, Film Rant. Um, God, help me out here, Hannah. Um, the, Iron the Iron Sequel. Sequel. Entertainment Landfill. Although they haven't put an episode out in a while, so you've got to pull your finger out there, Jason, if you're listening to this. And also we have lots of bonus content over there, music shows. Um, but yes, yeah, so go over there and check out the uh, all of the content that we've got over there just also a quick reminder that you can find us on twitter we are at rewatch proj and you can email us at rewatchprojectspodcast at gmail.com actually i just want to make a, a mention of phil also known on twitter as let me see what his twitter handle is guimaran uh, he just uh, tweeted us and said, Hi, I've been on a full MCU binge this year and I'm loving listening to your show as I go. Just listen to your ragtag, that's uh, episode 21 of season one episode. I wanted to mention the gap between Young Award actor and Dalton is said to be around five years on screen, as Hannah thought it was. So, uh, yes. yes. Thanks, Phil. Um, and also, uh, actually, I won't mention this until the spoilers, but he also has a tweet around questions we were asking about who, about whether... Shield agents are paid, and mm-hmm. uh, whether or, yep. or whether they're paid after that. So I won't mention that here now because he, mm-hmm. he, I think he looks forward into the show. Um, so yes, um, thanks for getting in touch, Phil. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, awesome. Um, and Keep it coming. We also have a uh, an email, and I just want to remind you that uh, that is rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com but do feel free to reach out to us over Twitter or wherever you may choose to do that so um, yes we have an email here um, I will just remind Hannah as I always do not to touch the silver bits of the phone Hi guys, Gemma from the Midwest here I have been listening to your show for a few weeks now and really like it and think I have a good sense of the type of movies and shows you like so without too much thought what are your top 8, my favourite number TV shows of all time? Go and keep up the good work. Looking forward to you getting up to the later episodes in season two as they are some of my favourites, Gemma. Okay. Thanks, Gemma. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, thank you, Gemma. Right, okay. okay, go. You're not allowed to think about it. Okay. Uh, top eight. Right. Um, Babylon 5. Uh, Schitt's Creek. Parks and Rec. Star Trek DS9. 
Are you on four? Fringe. Five. Watchmen. Yeah. Um, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Better Call Saul. Uh, the Orville. That's eight. Oh, yes, it is. There we go. Um, okay. Uh, for me, <coughs> oh, God. Um, do the, 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 go. Um, Just top eight. Okay. Um, um, we're going to try and do this in some kind of order. Favourite TV show of all time, Star Trek, 1960s. Okay. Uh, two, Twin Peaks, Babylon 5, Star Trek Next Generation, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, The Simpsons, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and The X-Files. Look at that. Yeah, easy. Um, cool. I can't believe I didn't think of Buffy. I love Buffy. Yeah, I was was thinking, I wanted to maybe try and get Friends in there as well, but I figured The Simpsons could no, be my... Friends wouldn't be top eight for me. Yeah, you've only watched it 700 times. Oh, I, don't get me wrong. I yeah, like I've watched it loads. I've enjoyed it, but it wouldn't be in my top eight. Yeah, well, it's your top eight. Mm. Nobody's top eight but yours. Um, cool. Okay, so yes, yeah, so we, uh, we always enjoy feedback, and uh, please make sure that you keep continue sending it into us because it's good Indeed, to be able to have that a, was a cool of, one. Like um, that. interactions. Um, okay, then we'll um, send in your top eight, Gemma. We'll yes, want, we'll yes. want to hear what you guys like. Absolutely. Um, yeah, well, we'll send that challenge right back at you. Mm. Um, so yeah, okay. Well, um, should we get straight into it? Should we? Um, yeah. We'll absolutely. hit pause. Uh, we'll watch the episode. We'll come back and do a little bit of non-spoiler talk, and then maybe some spoiler talk. But we'll see. Depends how it goes. Uh, I can't remember this episode. Um, no, I can't so, really remember it too well either. So I don't know whether it's one that is likely to generate. I don't generate. know if it's spoiler heavy or not. Yeah. yeah. We will see. Okay, back shortly. This podcast you're listening to, pretty good, isn't it? Only problem is, it's about halfway through. Pretty soon, it'll be over. And then what are you going to do? Well, if you're a fan of this show, why not head over to wearepodsyndicate.com and subscribe to our brand new feed, Pod Syndicate The Bonus Shows. Every week, your hosts from Beyond the Neon, Chinstroker vs. Punter, Entertainment Landfill, Film Bastards, His Film, Her Movie, and What's on Tap will be dropping bonus shows right onto that feed. These shows might be collaborations and crossovers, or they might be archive episodes, interviews, one-offs, and other treats from across the Pod Syndicate network. So, prepare yourself for the inevitable disappointment of this Pod Syndicate show ending by heading to wearepodsyndicate.com and clicking on The Bonus Shows. Swear you'll listen to the good, the bad, and the odd. The good. He has the cruelty of Jack Nicholson's Joker, the wit of Mark Hamill's Joker, yeah. and the laugh of Cesar Romero. <laughs> the bad. He's bald, he's got a cat, he lives in a volcano. What else you need? And the odd. I've seen bits of it, it's really stupid. Swear to me. Just a couple of guys talking about movies. You can find us on www.thegoodthebadandtheodd.com. What a beautiful podcast. In two weeks, the Coulson mystery is on the verge of being solved. There's just a few pieces missing. It's almost there. But the solution might tear them apart. Don't make me use this. On a new Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And next Tuesday, celebrate the pop culture powerhouse that is Marvel. With special guests and exclusive sneak peeks. The Marvel Universe conquered the planet. Emily Van Camp hosts Marvel. 75 years from pulp to pop. A brand new special next Tuesday, 9, 8 central on ABC. Okay, so we're back. We have just watched um, episode seven yes. of season two, which is called The Writing on the Wall. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, Hannah, initial impressions of this episode? Um, I would say this is the closest you're going to get to a Monster of the Week kind of episode. Now. Oh, really? Okay, that's well, now that Now that there's like a legitimate thread running through the whole okay, yeah. thing, Um I really liked it, really, really liked it. I, I thought it had very fringe vibes to it. Yes, um, very There's fringe. a couple of points where it was like, 
I, I was writing. Was notes the, about was how the writer fringy. of this? Did they work on Fringe? Uh, I don't know actually. Uh, let me just have a look. Because there was, there was I, I've got about five or six points in the episode where mm-hmm. I felt like it was specifically. No. Yeah. Do you know? Let me tell you what they've written: Sea Spot Run, Scooby Doo, Cheaper by the Dozen, Cheaper by the Dozen Two. Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief. Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Oh, okay. Uh, the Cape. That is what he's written Okay. On. Well, it's funny as well. I'm thinking maybe part of it as well. I mean, we'll get into the specifics, obviously, when we go through the episode. Mm. But I think also the thing that we have to remember is obviously this episode now is seven years old. Mm. So... Shield, uh, Agents of Shield and Fringe would have been contemporaneous. Mm. So I think maybe also part of it was Fringe before Shield or after. Started they overlapped. Oh right. Um, So Fringe was still on the air in the early days of Agents of Shield. Yeah. So I think part of it is just the era. I think there were certain styles of storytelling that were very popular at the time. Yeah. Um, But anyway, sorry, you you were you were giving your sort of broad thoughts. Oh, well, that was pretty much it. Like, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was quite fringy. Um, I thought there was a good thread running through it, but it felt as Monster of the Week. Like, when I say that, I don't mean that it was a throwaway kind of episode. It's just, it's as self-contained as you're going to get in a series that is all about the arc. Yeah, it's all relative, isn't it? Mm-mm. Don't you think? Like, you could watch this without watching any of the rest of it and kind of be okay with... Kind of, yeah, like, yeah. Like, if, if, if you were told you can only watch one episode of season two... I know what you mean. This is an episode where you could say it's the one where the guy's killing other people who yeah. have been... and they find out who it is and they fix it. Yeah. 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 So And, and you get that kind of payout in... Coulson being, quote marks, cured well, it's of a, it, it's a It's a very Buffy thing in the way that it's a story of the week that grows out of the sort of the soil of the ongoing storyline. Because line. until this point, you're worrying about what's going to happen to him, how they're going to fix it for him. There seems to be no fix. Yeah. So... You know, it is very like this is where one of the everything is okay with Coulson, like everything's all right, it's going to be okay. Yeah, this this is one of the the, the reasons why it reminds me of Fringe as well, a little bit as well. And as I say, we'll get into the the sort of the plot specifics as we move through. Mm. But Fringe would do this thing where, and and Buffy did this a little bit where you've got the ongoing storyline, you've got the the sort of the spine of the season or, or whatever, yeah, and then what will happen is. It's as though the writers will be like, right, okay, we've got this ongoing storyline happening, this this narrative, this plot, mm. and the characters change as a result of the plot and all this kind of stuff. But every so often, I think they'll get to an interesting point in the plot where they'll go, okay, let's hit the brakes and have let's have fun with this temporarily new status quo, yeah, and see what type of stories spring out of this, mm. and then we'll continue onwards. Move it on, and. Yeah. Fringe would do that a lot, where mm. Fringe would, like, something crazy would happen and the show would go over here, mm. and then they'd be like, okay, let's see what let's the... Let's cre- stay here for a Let's bit. see what the creative yeah. opportunities that come out of over here are. Very much um, when the parallel universe is introduced. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So they'd sure. be like, okay, well, um, what... What's this show now? We've got now. It's 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 got the it's you know the the orange opening credits week. Yeah. That won't mean anything to anybody yeah. who doesn't watch Fringe. But uh, but no, I I really like this episode as well, and I think that this is what I think this is what Fringe does when it's uh, sorry Fringe <laughs> Freudian slip. This is what Agents of Shield does when it's at its best mm. is um, the is when it stops and looks around. Mm. Um, like I I like the the big kind of you know the the wham episodes. Um, but oh, but these ones you get more nuance. Well, it's like I always say that the episodes where the really major plot stuff happens, like the episodes in season one where all of the shit hit the fan with Hydra, they're great and they're important, but they are, uh, upon rewatch, 
Um, they're, the, they're what I call the Wikipedia episodes. But Whereas what I think this show does really well is when that, that shit happens and then it tells, it, it gives the characters something to do in that context. We've had this conversation before in terms of Star Trek um, because for those who don't know, I wanted to do a re like a, a watch a first time watch for me a rewatch for mike of star trek for the most part like not original series but basically the, the Rick Berman from, era. Ne- from next gen onwards yeah. and <clears throat> mike was very keen to um put together a list of key episodes that would explain the thing and and like miss out any that he deemed to be slightly lesser um and I was adamant that I wanted to watch all of it. And what I said to Mike after watching it was, I agreed with with you about what the key episodes were, but you need the, quote marks, lesser or less significant episodes to understand the character enough to know why they make the decisions or do the things they do in the key episodes. Otherwise, it's just an info dump, yeah. isn't it? Like, um, specifically in Star Trek, why Data is so hell-bent on protecting the memory of Tasha Yar. Yeah. You have to watch one of the worst episodes of all time of yeah. the next gen to yeah. know why he well, the other thing was such it, great affection. It, it was funny, yeah. I remember we were talking about this, about how Star Trek's a really good example of this, and I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is very similar <clears> in the way that the thing that I realised re-watching The Next Generation with you, like warts and all, mm. is that one of the great elements of enjoyment of, of Star Trek is that it's a workplace drama. Yeah. And you lose that. You know, when you when you sort of like you skip do. those things. And like, I mean, I would never have seen Riker playing the trombone. Well, yeah, I mean, what well, the thing is, there's, there's I, 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 think it was, I think it was Seth MacFarlane who said that Star Trek: The Next Generation is one of the all-time great hangout shows, mm. where the enjoyment of the shit, the episode. He said, that, I mean, I remember him saying on on one of the Blu-ray thing, the documentaries, that, uh, that one I was telling you about that you were annoyed that I didn't watch with you, where it's Seth MacFarlane and the writers' room from the Next Generation, yeah. and um, he, he says that he would ha- be happily watch an episode of the Next Generation where literally nothing happened, mm. just because you want to hang out with and those I'm, characters. I'm definitely not saying nothing happened in this episode of. Oh Shea no, no, you're you're you're, totally you're, did, you're making but, a point, but, but I get that. Yeah, it's like. Like, if we take it back to this episode, um, I think you get um, some good interplay with Bobby and Hunter, and you also get the comedic duo that is Fitz and Mac. Yeah. You know, Corpse Idea. And you're not going to get any of that shit in an episode where... No. um, You know, the the army are after them or... Exactly. But when those episodes come, you will see the forged relationship come together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know... Like, that's no spoiler. I can't even remember what happens, but I know that... I know that they are going to bond in a way that they've got each other's back. A really good example of that, to go back to the example you gave earlier on, like Star Trek Next Generation, is, you know, people always talk about these, how... In Star Trek, you've got these really big episodes, like the best of both worlds, you know, Picard yep. getting assimilated with the Borg. Mm. One of the all-time great cliffhangers is that final episode of season three where Picard's revealed to have turned and he's a Borg, and it cuts to Riker on the just... Enterprise, and Riker is, says, just looks at him and says, Mr. War, fire. And he's mm. like, oh, my God, Riker's going to kill Picard. Mm. Now, um, that loses so much of its power if you don't understand the whole... Riker not wanting to accept a promotion because he wants to stay with Picard and mm. all, all of these character things which come often in these re- seemingly really inconsequential episodes. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's it's, a, it's the same way as... It's like relationships in real life. It's like when you look at your photo albums of you and your family and your kids or whatever, you see the birthdays and you mm. see the Christmases. But sometimes it's these silly little nothing days that are important and I think Ooh, that it it's are, a bit like, is like watching that, you know? someone's Instagram highlight reel yeah you know it's not life yeah 
yeah know, exactly it it's like yeah give you the nuance yeah. that you need to understand a person yeah yeah exactly okay well should we get into the um sure. the, the I have, meat I have potatoes very few notes you see you you know now we've got a dynamic we've got a i do the bitch work we'll do the homework the bitch work Let's talk. Be, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like i will ride the coattails um but i'd like to think that that we work well together well we do in the sense that you know i, I do the work <laughs> And uh, we're together. You're saying I'm a lazy bitch. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I really need to get those two-part glasses that, so I can. Uh, well, you need to go to an optician. Yeah, I do. Um, okay, so um, the first similarity to Fringe is the creepy serial killer of the week pre-credit sequence. Yes, Fringe had loads of these. Um, yep, yep, yep. And. Uh, it's, it's almost quite casualty. Yeah, well. yeah, it is. And, and, and I mean, I, I know that it annoys you when I say this, but I mean, it all it comes from so the X Files. It is, mm-hmm. but th- there's uh-huh. something about this. I think it's the era that does feel fringier than it does X Files. Good. Um, but I mean, the, the X Files would always, ha- not always, but whenever it was a Monster of the Week episode, the pre-credit sequence would always be a little four or five minute mini movie, mini horror movie about the. The creature, and then we'd leave you on that. Oh, and then you'd get the Mulder and Scully banter in the office place thing, and ooh, yeah, like, you were, well, the music, the do do do, that, that's the musical equivalent of ooh. Did you sit there going, ooh? Yeah, yeah, we did. My friends and I, we all we clutched our pearls ooh. and just looked at each other. And like, um, but um, I bet Steve was the pearl clutcher. <laughs> um, no, he's more of a pearl lobber, to be honest with you. But um, I like the fact as well that when serial killers do that thing where he's like, I do some carving now and then. Don't forget to die. <laughs> I haven't been completely honest with you. Yeah. I'm about to carve your skin apart. It's like in The Simpsons when the, uh, the school are secretly um, cooking foreign exchange st- uh, students and putting them in the food. It's like... I guess you could say we've all got a little bit of Uta in us, in our stomachs, in our stomachs because we ate him. (laughs) You know, it's that level of fucking incredibly obvious. But um, and we see that you know he's got the body map um, and uh, he pulls the knife out. And I've got the note here that this is very fringy, and that'll be a a, a sort of recurring. And then it comes across to Coulson doing his mad map drawing. Yeah, with chaotic jazz music. Because yeah. chaotic jazz is the music of insane people. Yes, it is. You know, um, and I think that it's a good sort um, of... The, the problem I, like, well, it's not a problem, but... Is this a problem you have with jazz? That we've got to talk about no, I've got a big problem with jazz, but that's not what I was going to talk about. Um, this isn't the jazz cast. No, it's not the jazz cast. No. Um, it's for dinner jazz guys <laughs> for fuck's sake I'll shut up um, do you not like jazz <laughs> I'm sorry I'm going to throw your drink at you oh, that, not my drink that's so premeditated <laughs> You're like, somebody give me a drink to throw at this asshole <laughs> I'm enjoying mine too much <laughs> oh god right shut up sorry <laughs> you know what drink goes well with jazz shut <laughs> up we can stop now right (laughs) what because I'm just waiting for the next fucking one to come out of your mouth right so the when when Coulson is drawing his map and he's talking to Sky and she's getting really concerned for him and asking when he's doing it and how many hours and he's talking about you know um, how preoccupied he's getting with it Um, and then she says to him when do you sleep It, it totally put me in the frame of mind of that's what people say to mothers of a newborn who have a toddler yeah. Like, when do you sleep? Because life is so busy when you've got that two dynamic. You can't sleep when your baby sleeps because you've got this fucking tornado to look after yeah. the rest of the time. And it coloured the rest of the episode for me because there were so many moments that were like, like when Coulson and the quote marks bad guy were wrestling around. It was like two siblings, like... No, I'm the best. No, I'm the best. <laughs> you know, having their thing. Um, and there were lots of, like, 
family moments yeah. throughout the episode. And I'm sure that's just me colorizing it from a mother's point of view. Not necessarily. But um, given that season one is very family orientated, yeah. it it just struck me as interesting that there was this real new sibling dynamic coming in because it is like, you know, it's a different scenario in season two. It feels different. There's a lot to be working with. They're still a family, but they're a family in a different way. And there are very few characters in this show um, that are actually related. Mm. You know, that whole idea of surrogacy. Mm. And when you do, it's never pleasant. You've got like Ward and his brother. You know, it's always kind of... In this show, actual family is portrayed as being dysfunction. Mm. Whereas chosen family... And again, that's... Uh, we've said it before, how this show has a lot in common with Star Trek. The whole idea that you've got the you know, Captain Coulson and the crew and the way mm. that they interact. And a lot of that is, you know, the idea of... Um, chosen family mm. you see a lot of that Star Trek Discovery does a lot of that particularly in the sort of non-binary kind of space yeah, you know the idea that sure. you can decide your identity mm. and who who your family who are your and you know you don't mm. have to necessarily have paternal or maternal you know, yeah and, yeah, it, yeah you can be a unit that defines its own yeah you know sure and I, I think there's a, there's a lot of that I don't think that's necessarily a stretch it just it, I found it really coloured the whole episode for me because I was looking for those familial connections. Yeah. And I thought a lot at the time, like, I need to stop looking for that because it's 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 not necessarily what they're after, but me as a mother kept seeing them. No, and also, we, I mean, we've talked before about how I think this idea about I, whether this was the artist's intention or not is... It's kind of irrelevant. I think mm. that once you make something and you put it out there, I mean, David Lynch is a very big proponent of the opinion of the artist is no more important than the opinion of the person who's perceiving it. Because when you make something that's designed to be watched or listened to or experienced or whatever, um, the thing doesn't actually really exist until somebody interacts with it in that mm. way. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's funny how um, the scene that you're talking about where. Um, Sky and uh, Coulson are talking. Um, Sky kind of verbalizes something. It's almost like a meta thing that you and I have talked about, about how many storylines there are. And she actually says, Wow, it's all connected. She's like, My dad, Ward, yeah. uh, Rainer, Whitehall, the hieroglyphs, all of these things. So not only is it a useful little expositional reminder to the audience that mm. uh, w- uh you know yeah, all of these things just don't forget out. guys yeah. all this shit's going on mm. um but also it feels like and i mean this as a positive thing i don't mean that the show's been smug it feels like a little bit of a of a back pat that they're kind of like yeah it fucking does look all like you know if i am we agree i am the weaver <laughs> <laughs> when i write these storylines yeah um, but so they have this this conversation, and I'm always in awe of how they bring the storylines together. I think it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, a fucking hard thing. I mean, to no, do. it's it's very it's very rare that you actually get a flat out bad episode. Mm. Um, and I think partly, I mean, that's an advantage of these ongoing storylines because if you look at it, um, one of the great things about the old school, the Star Trek model, and this the new Star Trek show that's starting soon, Star Trek um, Strange New Worlds, the one with um, Anson Mount. Yeah. One of the reasons we're looking forward to that is that that's the first Star Trek series since the next gen. That's It's all standalones. Mm. It's a planet of the week. That's why it's called Strange New Worlds. And one of the things that you can do in those shows is different genres. Mm. So you can do a comedy episode, then a horror episode, then a mystery episode. But if you're doing a serial, you kind of have to be tonally consistent across all of the episodes. So one of the benefits of that is that you're less likely to have an episode that fails because if you're doing different genres every week, every week is a fucking swing. Mm. And swings miss sometimes. But if every episode is just a continuation, the chances of you making an absolute clangor 
are quite low. Mm. So it's weird. I'm kind of complimenting the show, but on the other hand, it's kind of low risk mm. when you have this ongoing storyline because. Um, but I think they're also only second season in. You yeah. know, like there's risk being taken, but also fear of the risk not with, being. The risks they take with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the pace. Yeah. At which they tell the stories and the, and the how they there's and no passing out. Stuff up. Yeah. Because mm. I think that when you get the JJ Abrams method of no no mystery box mystery box what that says to me is that's quite so you a You don't know where the story's going. Well, it's not just that, but it's quite a fearful way of telling. It's as though they've got this one idea and that they're scared that if they reveal that they've got nothing else. Yeah. Whereas like Fringe is just like... Oh, sorry, Fringe. I've got to stop saying this. Um, whereas... I know Fringe did as well, actually, in fairness. But Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of like, nah, we're just spunking ideas all over the place. You know, we don't have to worry about... You know, there's a confidence, I guess, is what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, so we so we learn in this this um, expositional scene with uh, Sky and Coulson that May's gone after Ward, uh, or is continuing to go after Ward. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Trip scoping out Ward um, at the bus station. And they see that he's got a dead man switch. He's got some yeah. like um, plastic explosives on him. I love, I don't know why this is, there are certain random things that I love in films and TV shows. I love people scoping other people out at bus, train, stations or airports in the same way that I love people being given the payphone runaround. But I think, you know, that, <clears throat> I think that goes back to you loving 70s like cop yeah, Drama, Dirty Harry. Kind of, and, yeah, 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 that kind of thing. Yeah, it's probably like so there's a nostalgia yeah, um, sort of going on there, I think. Yeah. And um, the, so um, we see uh, pictures of the dead woman and the carvings on her, the very fringish carvings. And the fact that she wrote A Magical Place. Yeah, and, the, and, and also that the Coulson, when he sees her, um, believes that she's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Um, mm. And one other thing I like about this episode as well, is you know I've said that a lot of TV shows, Whedon shows do this a lot, have that kind of discombobulation at the beginning of a series where everyone's split up. This is the everybody kind of coming back together again episode, um, mm. and part of that is yeah. um, it's really nice to see Sky and Coulson working together again. Yeah, because ultimately they well, she's are taking the May role in yeah. this episode because they're very much side by side because May's on like second director duty. And so far, at least, they've kind of been the, the key. Sky and Coulson have been well, kind of... it's very much through Sky's eyes. They're the key them. relationship, aren't they? Mm, so yeah. it's kind of like the show is starting to kind of um, feel a little bit like its old self again in, in that regard. Um, I totally can't say mostly without thinking. Mostly. Mostly. They come at night. Mostly. mostly. Um, the, we see the paintings, as you say, in the magical mm-hmm. ways. I was thinking when I watched the only thing I remember about this episode, there's two things I remember about this episode, but one of them I will don't come later. This one the only thing I remember about it is there's one of those paintings. They go into the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent's house and they see that she's been painting all of these things. Mm. There's one of them that's like a landscape. Mm. of the hieroglyphs it almost looks like a like a oh, yeah. crop circle field yeah, and of, I yeah. remember the first time seeing this thinking I'd really like that painting I think it's actually aesthetically <laughs> a painting I would like to have on my wall I and, would not um, and well so I guess I won't either then fucking hell um, but I have thought that and then I had a weird deja vu and thought yeah I probably thought that like seven years ago when I first watched this and I probably said it and was blocked by you then in the past you're travelling through time scuppering my aesthetic plans um You've got bad aesthetic plans. I have the best. So I'm just ahead of my time or behind. No, you're not. Um, you were stuck in the 70s. That's um, where your aesthetic stays. There's nothing in the 70s. Oh, anyway, I forget about it. Um, so we learned that apparently this woman died five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we we Fitz see... Fitz Mac um, get the body. Yeah. It, it's nice Corpse as... Corpse ADM. Yeah, yes, yes. Well, it, it's nice to see as well um, that the team are kind of back together. Like you've got Fitz and Simmons in the lab working together. And but you also see Simmons is sort of jealous of Fitz and Mac together. Yes. Like, because they have such an easy relationship. She's like, she's he's taken my spot. with Fitz. Yeah, yeah. Um, she, she is very resentful of Mac. And, and, that, and that's kind of... It's changing it's, the power dynamic in the it's relationship. It's nice to see because it's been Simmons on top for such a long time that it's nice to see Fitz flourishing in life well it's like you know? we were saying the other week it's like uh, George Costanza he's now got hand he's got more hand in the relationship than he did before <laughs> yeah. and um, the 
Uh, I like the moment where she's about to start the autopsy and she's like, does anybody want to leave? And like... Everyone puts it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like they're not... They're all, they're, they're pretty squ- sort of squeamish bunch. Mm. Um, we see... Um, we see Ward dressed like a man on the lamb. <laughs> this is in my nose. Um, be creepy at the bus station and he gets yeah. on the bus with Bobby. And again, Bobby kind of does... She does that Black Widow, ha-ha, you think you've got one over on me when we've actually got one over on you kind of thing mm. where he's he he realises that she... He's like, no, you're still on page 117 or whatever. Mm. And then she gets off the bus and she's like, ah, oh, yeah, but fuck you, pal. When he yeah. gets on the other bus with, with Hunter, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's that old trick. Um, so we... we um, we see the autopsy, um, and Simmons recognises the car, recognises the carving, and says that he had the super GH juice. Uh, well, she had the super GH, GH juice, uh, yeah, in her blood. Yeah, um, and that basically, it seems as though everybody who does this turns into psychos after going through a phase of um, compulsive whittling. Mm. Um, so they decide. Uh, well, Coulson decides that the best option is to strap him into the memory machine mm. and kind of torture it out of him, like Rainer is- was is the most fringy moment is that whole scene. There's a fringier moment, I think, but I'll get to that. Well, I think it's like the flotation flotation tank. tank. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it's very... Well, and also... Especially how it's kind of like flash, flash, back into the memory. And, like, I mean, that's exactly how it happened in Fringe. Yeah, well, do you know what really... I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here, but I'll jump back again. Do you know what really um, sealed it for me? What? This group of people, they're like the Cortexifan trial in Fringe. It's exactly the same thing. Like These people had this thing and then they all went off Mm. and they forgot about it. And when you've got Coulson going around going, hey, you were in this thing, it's just like the John Noble character. And So that's the the thing that made me ask about Mm. whether the writer was involved in Fringe because not only aesthetically is it similar, there's like two or three plot points which are really specifically mm, similar yeah. um, to, to Fringe. But again, I think maybe there was, you know, something in the air there. Um, but yeah, so they strap him onto the memory machine. We, we see through um, his memory machine flashbacks that the um, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, who we see murdered at the beginning, uh, volunteered as she was dying. She volunteered to the Tahiti project that Coulson was working on, although obviously he'd, he'd forgotten about that. Mm. Um, and... Um, the, 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 they all started doing carvings, including the killer, and they all basically go insane and get given new identities. Um, we jump to um, Ward going into a bar, and he meets everybody's favourite Brit Hill, um, and they have a bit of a conversation. And basically, Ward's game is that he wants to get in with Whitehall. That's he's kind of auditioning for the big bad, um, that or at least seems to be. And uh, that's where I've got my notes about how it feels like the Cortexafan. That's what I think my memory is telling yeah, me. Yeah, I'm pretty called. sure it's Cortexafan. Um, the, the trials. I like the fact that the whole thing about Mac being a bit of a pop culture geek continues with him using um, gaming to help um, Fitz kind of uh, it is Cortex fan Um, to help um, Fitz kind of regain his sort of like motor functions you know which apparently is a thing apparently video games are really good for getting your synapses kind of uh, it's good for coordination too I mean we let our our daughter it's good play. for keeping your kids fucking quiet for her. I mean we let Chloe play um, video games purely because oh, developmentally it was really good for really her it's really great for her coordination yeah yeah and we see Coulson going after the remaining test subject um, namely Hank now I really like the actor who plays Hank mm, yeah I um, Joel too. Gretsch he was the only I don't know him um, he's, he, he's been in a few things but he was I remember him from he was the only good thing about the rebooted version of V that was done about 10 years ago. He was the lead character in that. And he's a really kind of quietly charismatic actor. Like he's he's got a, a slightly kind of Kevin, younger Kevin Costnery kind of vibe about him. But he's one of those actors where um, he was in... Um, oh, God, what was that? Um, he's one of those people who is often better than the material he's given. Mm. You know, he, he can elevate that sort of stuff. And he's one of those guys who he pops up in shows. He's been in everything. He's one of those, he'll come up as the kind of the lawyer or the school teacher in a standalone episode. Mm. But he's all, it's, it's always, a, oh, it's that guy. I like that guy. He's always good kind of actor. So we see that the, um, the crazy killer sort of arrives. And basically his thesis, his idea, which is actually kind of correct is that it requires pain. So the idea is is that they start the carving 
But ultimately, this is a puzzle, and Colson says this, this is a puzzle that wants to be solved. Mm. And it's a bit like a lot of mathematics, the idea that a lot of mathematicians and also people who study universe theory, this idea of multiple universes, often they go mad mm. because it's as though the human brain is it's only too capable... Much to to counter... Yeah, you like, can't... To, to, to think of. You weren't yeah. meant to know this. Yeah. You know? Um, and his idea is, is that the carving ultimately is going to lead to... You have to carve, physically carve into people to make them remember. Mm. Uh, and that's where this compulsion to carve becomes macabre and yeah. becomes a serial killer kind of urge. And obviously that's influenced by, you know, the rantings of, quote, you know, real-world serial killers who say, you know, God was talking to me or whatever. But what this has done is what a lot of sci-fi does, which is like, well, what if that was true? You know, what if there actually was this uh, insane science fiction reason yeah. why, why that was happening? And, and um, that's very fringe as well, because there's a lot of, um, certainly in season one, there's a lot of episodes where... It's kind of like an urban myth that you think is all bullshit. It's there's a true. reason. Yeah. Well, there's also, there's uh, a reason behind what, what, it. One recurring thing, like the White Tulip episode of Fringe is a really good example of this. Is I often, love that episode. Often the villains are doing something for reasons that the audience can empathise with. Yeah. You know, like the re- they're doing it because they've lost somebody or out of grief. Yeah. yeah. And that was a very recurring theme in Fringe was that the... the the antagonists. What would grief make you do? Well, yeah, but I mean, mm. exactly. But but the the antagonists weren't necessarily villains. No, they were people who had had really. I mean, shit things. they were. Yeah, they, but, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, so you've got the the uh, observers, for example. Yeah. But um, but often, um, th- it was people who had been driven to, um, extremes by terrible things happening there were three reasons for bad guys in fringe grief ego or domination yeah yeah and that's all there was yeah and the on the ongoing antagonists would often be you know the the latter two but the oftentimes there would be uh you know sympathetic thing there but anyway so um the um ward basically gives them bashke the the Hill. Oh, and he has a proper long kiss goodnight ending where he gives himself a nice clean shave and shaves his hair off. And it's really weird. I have got long kiss goodnight in my notes, but on a completely different moment. It's oh, really? the bit the bit where Hank has his muscle memory thing, you know, where he catches a knife oh, and yeah, throws yeah, it back. Yeah. I've got um he goes Gina Davis in Long Kiss Goodnight. It's like, a, I'll tell you what, that film is the gift that keeps on giving pop culturally. Yeah. Yeah, so basically... Sorry, I was so, we, so, so we've got all this stuff where, you know, he, he basically realises, you know, he has to cut them to try and help them remember, has to know what it means. Um, we see that, you know, Hank has got a family now. But ultimately, what this is all leading to is the realisation that the, the, the Rosetta Stone in this was that the hieroglyphs are three-dimensional mm. and that they are actually a city. Yeah. And again, and I keep harping on about this, Indiana Jones, Lost City. Mm. There's, there's, I've never noticed this when we first watched it. There's so much Indiana Jones mm. in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that somebody, and I, I feel like it must be one or both of the showrunners, it's that much, uh, has that much ubiquity in the show. He's obviously a fan of Indiana Jones, and this is another sort of example of that. You know, be amazing the, to get the, mom the, to be able to velocity, ask them. Velocity mm. of yeah, yeah. There's definitely something going on there. Mm. Basically, what they realise is that it's like um, it's like homing pigeons, but they didn't know what it was they were looking for. They yeah. just had that the that compulsion. urge, that compulsion. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the word I was looking for. And um, so they find the city. We, we see Ward shaving and doing what all people do in TV shows when they go through a catharsis, which is to shave their head. And he gives her a vaguely threatening call. And it was very long as goodnight. He gets his sharp suit on and he's all clean shaven. And, he's and it's, all it's, like, it's, it's another meta moment. Man of the world, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, it, it, it's another postmodern moment as well when because we've been talking about all these new cast members that have been coming in mm. and he's like I'm hard to replace mm. and there's almost a kind of like a yeah we've lost these characters in the team and we've had to get like three or four new people in yeah. to kind of like fill the gap so yeah. um so yeah so um, that's the end of the episode um sum it up Hannah what did you think I really enjoyed it I really really enjoyed it um 
this is an episode that I didn't remember anything about. I like I had no idea what was coming in terms of plot or um you know, um yeah, plot or nuance or continuation of storylines or anything like that. Um so very much coming in as a blank slate. Yeah. Um I thought it had good continuation it was a really good standalone um as much as as a standalone can be in the second season where a fuck ton has happened um you know you're never gonna be able to be dropped down in season two and just run with it you do have to have some prior knowledge of the characters but I felt like it had a beginning middle and end and kind of wrapped itself up nicely I like the fact that they wrapped up the compulsion of Coulson's carvings like I feel like it would get tired if it ran on too yeah, much yeah now longer. was the time yeah um so for me that was great um and it was it was a really enjoyable watch I really liked it and I thought for episode seven given that there's 20 odd 22, 24, whatever there is. It's a good point that they're at with it. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? No, I agree. Uh, and it's funny, just to sort of add to what you were saying about the sort of the whole uh, wrapping up the compulsive behaviour, it's the fact that the episode ends with um, him addressing the team and, of course, the audience. And he's like, I'm okay now. And it's almost as though they're saying to the audience, right, okay. We've we've moved through this phase now. Yeah. Um, so we need to get back to all the you know all the crazy shit with Carl McLachlan probably next week. You know, mm. and and I think and that, I think that's as as people get through Shield a bit more, they will come to recognise that is pretty standard. Like I've I've said lots of time in, in season the one, clusters the of the things the thing I love the most about the show is that they don't prolong anything. Yeah. Everything wraps up at the time it should. Um, and even if it's a third of the way through the season, yeah. they will f- stop something it's like if what, it's lost its luster. It's like structurally one of the most, per- and this is a random one because this isn't even a show that I you know, rate that highly. I enjoy it, but one of the most perfect seasons of television is season four of Star Trek Enterprise because mm. what they do is they do three-parter standalone. Three-parter standalone. Are you saying you don't rate Star Trek Enterprise that highly? Um, not well, not not in the big scheme of things. Yeah, no. Um, I just I thought I wasn't sure if you meant that or Shield. Uh, no, Star Trek Enterprise. Right. Um, but that structure works really well, and it's as though mm. um, that feels like something that this show does really well is to have these storylines that run across multiple seasons, but then you've got storylines that run across just a season and then within the season you've got these micro storylines so it's kind of it's almost as though if you just want to watch um you know the show and have these little story you you know what it's like it's like comic books yeah you know yes it really and and with comic books you can just pick one up and read it and enjoy it or you can read a four-parter of Spider-Man or whatever. Mm. Or you can read Spider-Man your entire life and have this much larger tapestry. Yeah. So I think that it's interesting, but at the same time, unsurprising that, that uh, that's the case. But um, okay, well, Hannah, um, I, I mean, I've only got one spoiler thing, so I, I'm probably I've, not going to bother. I've got none. Yeah, so what yeah. I'm going to suggest is, um, if you just want to bring up the details for next week's episode, I will um remind our listeners um about how to reach us and uh, all of that good stuff so uh, yes just a quick reminder to go over to we are to check out um our um other podcasting friends and endeavors and blogs and videos and all that kind of good stuff uh, and also to check us out on twitter at rewatch Proj and uh, also email us at rewatch project podcast at gmail.com so um we would also be interested. Uh, let me just bring up that name again because I cannot remember. Gemma, tell us what your favourite eight. Um, yeah, top eight. Yeah, uh, other people eight. as well. Tell us. Yeah, I, I want to hear some top eight TV shows and don't justify anything. Just tell us your top eight. It would be great to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially because. If there's anything we haven't watched, I'd be like well into checking it yeah. out. I've just gone into the spam folder for uh, just to make sure that we hadn't accidentally mm. come any through, and we haven't. Um, but uh, has anybody ever clicked on an email that starts with "Hello, my dear"? 
<laughs> you know, it's um, oh, has anybody ever unironically sent one that starts like that? Because hello, uh, my dear. You no. know, why is nobody responding to my emails that start with hello, my dear? Right. Um, so, Hannah, tell us about next week's episode. Okay, so the next episode, season two, episode eight, is called The Things We Bury. It says, synopsis says, Coulson and team find themselves in an epic face-off against Hydra to uncover an ancient secret, while Ward kidnaps his brother, Senator Christian Ward, for a violent trip down memory lane. They're the worst kinds of trips down memory lane. It is directed by Milan Shaloff and uh, written by DJ Doyle. Wow, and, it, and it's the fourth now, highest rated episode of season two, according to Milan IMDb. Shaloff, I feel like he did some later episodes of season one. I'm just going to have a very, very quick look. I forgot that Edward James Olmos is in this series later. Is he? Yeah. I, I don't know what the hell we were doing during season two. Were we like on meth or something when fucking this show aired? We were very, very tired. Okay. So in season one, Milan Chaloff directed The Asset and Providence. Oh, two good ones. Both great episodes. And then this is The Things We Buried. This is the last one he directed of his run of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I'm, I'm excited for this. I think it'll be a really good one. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. Solid. All right, then. Well, that's us for this week, guys. Um, we will speak to you on the flip of flop. Take care, everybody. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. Be Boom healthy. goes for dynamite. Enjoy life. Be excellent to each other. as part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.